And so this morning I want us to turn our Bibles to First uh, Peter and uh, we'll look at chapter 3. We're continuing our series of the outsiders and uh, we're ex- uh, again just excited about that. And uh, I had, uh, I kind of wanted to address just a little warm and, uh, you know, throw on a, a little bit of, a little nicer attire. And uh, when Joel saw me this morning, he said, you must be preaching. Is that's what he said? Uh, just because I dressed up a little bit more, uh, somebody else saw me this morning and said, "Oh, you look nice, and you must be preaching this morning." So guess what? Uh, the people who are out this morning, they drove by, saw me with my shirt and tie on, and they said, "Oh, he must be preaching," and it just kept driving by. But anyway, uh, I do want us to remember, on a serious note, uh, the ones that are out. Some people are are quarantining right now. Some people are out sick. And so let's continue to encourage each other uh, during this time, uh, especially when we don't see each other, that we would maybe send a special message or just uh, call or do whatever. I know that's so foreign these days to even pick up the phone and call somebody. But, uh, but you know, do that. Let's make sure that we're keeping up uh, with each and every one of us uh, in our close uh our church, and then also just reaching out to people, letting them know that we care and that we're thinking about them. So as we look this morning in First Peter chapter 3, we're going to pick up in verse 18. Last week, Brother Jake finished up through verse 17 of just looking what it is to really see these, these sufferings that we may face as believers, because the Lord tells us that we're not exempt from these things, because why? It happened to the Lord when he was on the earth. He was sinless. He was without fault and people came against him, especially the religious leaders of that day that really it went against the things that they were teaching. And so Jesus, when he came and proclaimed in the gospel, he faced many persecutions and said, and so he tells us if that we are, if we are followers of the Lord, then we will experience some of these same things that the Lord Jesus Christ experienced when he was on this earth. We should not be exempt from those things. And it continues on as far as seeing these sufferings that we have as we finish out this chapter, that it gets into as far as we, as far as just continuing to suffer and going through certain things in our life because of the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we look at this this morning, it's really going to, it's really going to tell us three things. It's going to show us the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're kind of taking notes this morning, I'm kind of giving you a little head start. It'll really, it'll redefine or give us a, another a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ in these verses in the 18, 19, 20, and 21. And so as we look at this this morning, I want you to continue to see Christ uh, in this picture, in these set of verses. Peter just does a great job. Uh, I might have already said Paul, but Peter does a great job by just really laying this out for us. And the reason that we've got into this study as far as the outsiders, just kind of recapping again, is because Peter's talking to a group of believers who are outsiders. You know, they've been blamed for certain things that they didn't do. Uh, They're really just trying to find their way as far as not only just in life, but as a believer and just trying to do the right things in the Lord. And they're facing great persecution as they're doing this. And so we may not be to this level in our lives as far as facing this kind of persecution, but of being in a place of, of being an outsider, of knowing that, you know what, I'm, there's just something different about me and all the people that I'm around, that I'm working around. And, you know, they're all trying to please self. They're all, they are, they're all trying to look out for number one, as our society teaches us. But we are trying to please the Lord. 
And so that is really going against the grain. That's really being an outsider. And so it's a real good picture for us as we live in this world that we would see what Peter is trying to communicate to these believers. And so as we just kind of dive into it, because I, I feel like i got a lot to cover this morning, and, uh, and I, I promised uh, someone this morning that I'd be out in 15 minutes, so I better get on it, right? So in verse 18, we're going to kind of look at what, it's, what he's talking about here, and he's going to give us the picture of death, and he's going to give us the picture of how, how and why Christ died. In verse 18, it says, For Christ also suffered once for all. The just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. As you look at this, and we remember the life of Christ, we see, we just celebrated the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. The innocent babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, and knowing that that babe was not only going to just stay, he wasn't going to stay a baby, but he was going to grow up, he was going to live a life to the age of 33. And during that time, he was a man that was without sin. He, the Bible tells us that he experienced all the things that you and I experienced. Yes, he was 100% God, but he was also 100% man. Meaning that he had the same things that you and I have, but he was also 100% God. We understand that. But he went through the same experiences that you and I experienced. And so as we go through difficulties... Jesus experienced these difficulties. As we go through these temptations, Jesus experienced these temptations. And so when we go to the Father and we pray and we ask these things before the Lord, before the Lord God, and we're praying knowing that, you know what, maybe we understand God the Father may not understand what we are going through because He is just such in a supreme place. But He sent His darling Son, Jesus, on this earth to live that life as we have lived and so Jesus has experienced these things that we are experiencing today. So Jesus knows the, the agony. Jesus knows the day-to-day -day, uh, mundane things that we go through and how he felt like an outsider in his life. And so as we look at this, when we dive a little deeper into verse 18, it says to us that Christ suffered once. He went to the cross and bled and died and suffered once and for all for all of our sins. And so not only the sins that I had committed, not only the sins that I am committing, but the sins that I will commit, Jesus paid it all. And so as we understand, uh, I remember the old song that says, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. Now, I don't know if some of you, some of you older ones in here remembers the, uh, I see one hand, older, uh, remembers that old uh, Southern Gospel song, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind, but we also got to understand that it was my sin that nailed him to the cross. It was because of the sin of my life, the things that I even continue to do now, when we think as Christians that we can just sin and get away with it, everything that I not only have done in sin, but the things that I will do in sin, Jesus has already paid that price on the cross. And so the blood, the tears, the agony that Jesus went through, he did it for my sin, he did it for your sin, he did it for the sin of the world. To know that this world doesn't have to live in that sin, they don't even have to live or even die knowing they don't have to be separated from God, knowing that they, there was 
a price paid on their behalf. How, what a shame it would be for them to die and go and spend an eternity knowing they didn't have to be separated from God. That the, the penalty of sin had already been taken care of. And so for us, he's telling us here, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust. You know, it's, it's, like, the, it's like when they would bring in uh, that sacrificial lamb to take away, for us to get uh, forgiveness of our sin. That lamb was spotless. It was, you know, going back to the Old Testament, it was, it was, it was a, a beautiful, young, innocent lamb that had done nothing wrong. But because of my sin, it would have to take the place uh, as a blood sacrifice so for me to get forgiveness. And you say, well, that's not fair. That's really cruel and, and really uh, just a bad punishment to something that did not deserve it. And when we think about that, we'll have, I mean, we'll just be grieved over an animal, which that's good. It shows that we have a little bit of humanity in us, right? But to think that Jesus is the one who took our place. He is the, the sacrificial lamb. He is the one that was without sin, without blemish. And yet he took our punishment for us. And so as we live our everyday life, just a little, you know, this was, I was going to try to say this to the end, but as we live our everyday life, we should try to find ourselves, we won't, we won't find ourselves sinless, but we should sin less. Amen. To know that every sin that I commit was something that Jesus had to pay on the cross on my behalf. And so it tells us that this was the just for the unjust that he might bring us. Why did he do this? It's because of God's plan, even from the beginning, when man's sin was there, he had a substitute for man's sin in the, in the Old Testament, but it was all a picture leading up to Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sins. And what was it for? It was to bring man back to God. It was to give man a choice. It was give, to give man an option of not finding themselves dead and without, and, and without any hope. But now that hope can be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as he's telling us here, continuing on in that verse 18, what is, the, what is the point of all this? Why did Jesus even go to the cross? Why did Jesus suffer, bleed, and die for us that he might bring us to God so that we could be brought back to God in that relationship? Why is that important for us? To know as I'm trying to live my every, just everyday life, and I'm going through trials and tribulations in my life, and, and people that don't have a relationship with God, it's just meaningless. It's just void. It's just empty. It's just an everyday, the, the regular routine of day, and then you die. And it's over for them. That's what they're thinking. And so they see no purpose. That's why, that's why we see the, the death rate that it is as far as the suicide rate. That's why we see people uh, living in such a place of depression. And we see people just unhappy. And we see people that are just miserable in their life because they don't see any meaning. And for us, the reason that we live in a place of hope, the reason that we should have love and joy and all these things, attributes of the Lord, is because we have been brought back to God. We have, a, when you accept Him and understand what He's done for you on the cross, you have a relationship with God. You are brought back to him and that now God is communicating through you, God uh, to you. God is living his life through you and now you're living with purpose. Now you're living understanding what God is trying to do and accomplish in your life. But having that relationship with God is what he wanted, what he desired for mankind. 
And so he continues on in verse 18. Hopefully you're still with me this morning. He says, being put to death in the flesh, he was put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. And so what he's telling us is, it, it brings me back and it reminds me of when the Lord says, not my will, but your will be done. He said, if this cup can really pass uh, me, when he, you, you remember that story when he goes to the garden and he prays and he brings his three closest friends. One of these friends are, are speaking right here, Peter, James, and John, but Peter. And, and uh, I guarantee you that there are certain things as Peter lives his life uh, in the Lord that I, I, it completely, all of his faults continue to really shape his life moving forward. You know, for us to really get gain experience and to really gain some wisdom, sometimes you got to go through a lot of mess and garbage to get there. And sometimes there's no way around it. But you know what? It should make us stronger and should make us better. And it should make us even a little bit more humble. I think about one of those. I just mentioned Peter, but James and John. I think about John when he was a, a, a new believer. And uh, when he would write, uh, whenever he was writing and he would refer to himself, he would always talk of himself as the one whom Jesus loved. He just never got over the fact that Jesus loved him. But Peter... We see the, the story, the things of Peter, right? He's one of the three. Jesus had his 12, right? And then Jesus even had his inner circle, Peter, James, and John. And he says, you three, I want you to just come. I need you to pray with me. My hour has come. And I, he knows what he's fixing to have to endure. He knows what he's fixing to have to go through. Not only we understand him as God, but to go through that, knowing what he's going to suffer, he has full knowledge but he also knows he's going to feel this pain as a human being. And, and to know what he's fixing to go through as far as the agony and everything leading up to the cross. And he goes to that garden with these three men and he says, pray with me. And he goes and he separates himself from them. You remember that story. And when he comes back, they're sleeping. I was talking to a guy this week, uh, Thursday night, me I was across the, the desk from him and his wife, and we're in a conversation between the three of us. And I barely said even a couple words, because I'm going to say that just before you hear the rest of the story. It's not like I was going on and on and on like I am right now. We're just in a little conversation, and the guy goes, man, I just dozed off there. And she goes, you did what? He goes, I think I just dozed off for like five seconds. And he just fell asleep right there as we were talking. And uh, I don't even know why I brought that up. Why did I even bring that up? But anyway, he was, they were sleeping. He, Peter, uh, Peter, James, and John are there. They come back uh, and Jesus says, could you not pray with me just one hour? Just one hour I wanted you to pray with me. And I believe the Lord's heart was just broken because he, he wanted them to be with him in this hour. When he knew what he was fixing to go through. I hope that we are a friend to people like Peter, James, and John should have been to Jesus to just pray with them one hour. To just pray with them one hour. Peter, I don't think, ever got over it, honestly. And I think Peter, in, in a good way, where it should shape his life. He's so concerned about these believers. He's not just worried about himself. He's worried about these other people. And it shaped his life. And as he's saying this here, in this last part, he says, he, uh, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, the Lord put his own will aside 
as a human being, he said, Lord, and when Jesus praying there in the garden, he said, Lord, if this cup can pass before me, let it pass. But he knew what he needed to do. And he needed to go to the cross on behalf of us. And he did it. He laid down his own will to follow the will of the Lord and, and the, the will of God. And Jesus, when you're following his life and, you, and we're following his example, you see that he was on a timetable. Everything that he was doing, it was appointed for him to do. And he, as a human on this earth, was just figuring out, God, this is where I need to be. This is where I need to go. Okay. Because he knew he needed to be in Jerusalem during that time, that week. That week of Passover. He knew he needed to go there. He knew he needed to be uh, on the cross at a certain time. He was just following God's timeline. And whenever you're free in that place, to live not where am I supposed to go and me figure that out on my own, but just to be in tune with God to say, God, where am I supposed to be? Where am I supposed to be going? What am I supposed to be doing? It just frees you up even more. To just know, you know what? God's in control. I'm just going to follow His steps. I'm going to follow His will. And I'm going to live in that space. And so Peter is reminding us that the Lord did this and He was made alive. And we could be made alive because of the Lord sacrificing His life for us on the cross. Now if I'm going to be true to that 15 minutes, I better move on out of that first verse, right? Verse 19. He moves into a place here and he says, By whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison who formerly were disobedient, when, want, uh, when once a divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. Now, in this verse 18, uh, verse 19 and 20, uh, I was telling Brother Jake this week, there's a lot of different interpretations of what this verse really means. And, you know, if me and you want to get into a, uh, put our thinking caps on and pretend like we're all smart and got it all together, we can have a conversation about what your thoughts are and what are my thoughts uh, on these different things. And uh, I, I really don't care to do that this morning. I think it's good for us to study. Scripture, don't get me wrong, it's good to, for us to be able to just kind of compare other people's thoughts and commentaries. Uh, when you're doing that, I'll just say to you that it's important to take the full Bible in context and, that one, and not take one scripture out of context to make it fit what you want it to say. And I say that broadly through the whole scripture. But in these verses, I, I hear people say, uh, in some com commentaries, and this has to do with the burial of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's when he died on the cross and he's buried. That goes to our second point. When he's buried for us. When he's in there, there's people who say that he goes down and he preaches in hell or he preaches in the holding place of hell in Hades. Uh, there's people who say that he goes and he preaches also to maybe angels or fallen angels, whatever the case is. For us, as we see this, I love how Peter really, he does this an, another time too where he references in 2 Peter, he references Noah again. To these New, Te these New Testament believers, Noah was a big deal to them. 
And Noah should be a big deal to us, not just in the storytelling time and our children's time, but Noah should be a big deal to us because I think it gives us a lot of comparisons and a lot of similarities that we can use today. If you ask me what 19 and 20 means overall as far as the burial of the Lord Jesus Christ, when the Lord's there in the grave, Satan, the world, the powers that were in charge in that day, and even dating back in history of talking about even in the days of Noah, when Noah preached for a hundred years saying there's going to be a flood and it's coming, and they mocked him and they ridiculed him and they had victory over him because it had not rained during that time. So to talk about not only rain coming, but flood coming, he was a crazy lunatic. And all the people who knew better and all the people who were just, uh, you know, really just ridiculing him during this time, they had the victory. When Jesus is in the grave, the Bible tells us that he would be in the uh, uh, belly of the earth three days and three nights, just like Noah was in the uh, stomach of the, of, the, uh, of the fish three days and three nights. It looked like it was over and it looked like there was no hope and that uh, every, everything else, the power of this world, Satan had the victory over the Lord Jesus Christ, but he didn't. And so many people will look at this in verse 19 and 20 and have different opinions about what is actually happening. But again, overall for us, I want us to understand this has to do with the Lord's burial and it has to do what he needed to do by being placed in there, in that tomb for three days and three nights. And so it's important for us to know that even when things seem hopeless, the Lord is in control. The Lord is in control. God was still on his throne while Jesus is there in the tomb. And, and as we understand and we look at this time of Noah, I want us to see a couple things. Uh, the first thing, like I said, is the, is the people in this time really celebrated Noah and his accomplishments. And let me tell you something about Noah. He preached 100 years. And here we are going on five years uh, at this church. Me and Jake just, just trying to preach, just trying to find the Lord's will and just to bring people in. Not, we, we haven't done a huge campaign of bringing people in, but we want people to be here. I hope we've made that very clear. We want you here. We're glad you're here. And over the last four and a half years, we're very excited, 40 years, we're very excited about what the Lord has accomplished during this time. It may not all be in numbers, but I'm very thankful for what the Lord has done. Our, our, even our, and I go back to this, even when it comes to just our families when we started. Even if it was just us and our families figuring out what church is and having um, a Bible study together, we were okay with that. Uh, and to compare it to the time of Noah, we would have had a bigger congregation than Noah. Well, we have 13 between us. 13 between us, and uh, we would have had a bigger congregation than Noah did. Because when Noah, when he preached for 100 years, 100 years, he lived to be 120. When he preached for 100 years, he had, including himself, eight converts. And we would look at that and we'd say, Noah, you are a failure, man. Figure out something else to do. You are a failure. 
And the amount of people that were ridiculing Noah during that time was just unbelievable, everyone. I don't know what the percentage was. I didn't look it up to see what, how many people were actually living during that day and the percentage of how many people that they estimate was living during that time and how many people actually got on the ark. It was only eight people. You know, only eight people and whatever number that is as far as how many were living, just a small amount. And we would look at, look at him and say that, that, he was a, that he was a failure. The Bible tells us when it compares us in about Noah in the days of Noah, in the book of Matthew, Jesus tells us, uh, just to be a little clearer in Matthew 24, Jesus tells us it will be like the days of Noah. And you will feel outnumbered. You will feel like an outsider. That's why when Peter's writing, these people felt like it was now that they were fixing to see Jesus come back. Because they knew that they were outsiders. Probably the way we feel today, even more so, we should feel as outsiders to be like, you know what? We're just peculiar people. We're just, we're just different today because everybody else is looking out for number one. And here I am just trying to please the Lord. And it looks so wicked and ungodly. And it looks like the days of Noah, just like Jesus told us. Now, in comparison, when we try to compare ourselves to other people, this is where we will find ourselves just in a hot mess. Because when we look at this passage of Scripture, he mentions Noah. He doesn't mention another Bible story for us. He doesn't mention Jonah. Jonah, we don't find him in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews. We find Noah. We find this New Testament church, Peter, talking so much about Noah, they don't mention Jonah. Jonah, whenever we know the story of Jonah, when he was supposed to go to one place, he's going to the other place. He was supposed to go to Nineveh. He was going to Joppa. He didn't want to go to Nineveh because he hated those people. He was, he was prejudiced towards those people. And he knew if he went there and he preached that those people would turn to the Lord and be saved and he didn't want it to happen. And so God is going to make it happen. And God tells him a second time when he puts him in the belly of the fish and the fish throws him back overboard. He tells him again, go to Nineveh and preach to those people. And he does it even in a bad attitude. He does it. It's estimated to, up, to be up to 120,000 people that lived in Nineveh. It tells us that in the book of Jonah that there was 120,000 people there in Nineveh. And the Bible kind of tells us and says that the whole nation really came and, and devoted themselves to the Lord and cried out to the Lord for forgiveness. And so let's say he had 120,000 converts during that day and he preached such a short message. And you'd say, oh, why we didn't get that message this morning, right? Nobody? He just, he just clearly says, listen, if you don't turn to the Lord... This is, his, this is his message in, uh, in, in, in the book of Jonah. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people got in their, uh, got in their, uh, uh, their clothes as far as mourning clothes. They sat in sackcloth and ashes to know that they were in, <clears throat> in a place of desperation to the Lord. And they just cried out to the Lord for forgiveness. And Jonah was so mad, he wanted, he wanted God to kill him after that. He just saw a great thing happen. And we would look at, I'm talking about the way we look at church and we look at people. And we were to take Jonah having 120,000 converts. We would look at Noah having eight converts. And we say, Jonah, you're a success. And Noah, you are a failure. 
And it looked like sin, death, the grave had victory over the Lord during that burial, but it didn't. And in verse 21, it tells us about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, there is also an antitype which now saves us. He talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of the good conscience towards God. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Christ. He's telling us this baptism. He's not talking about just us being baptized as far as in what water. He's talking about a spiritual baptism. When we are, and, and that's why when we baptize people and showing the picture of what has already happened in a person's life. It's talking about and, and understanding the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and how we are dead, buried, and resurrected in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying we are baptized in the Lord. The Spirit of God now baptizes us with His Spirit. And that is a picture, that is something that happens in a believer's life. Uh, once they confess their sins to the Lord and cry out the Lord for help, the Lord will come in and save that person. Verse 21 reminds us of this beautiful thing that happens in salvation. The flood. The flood was a, just a complete immersion of the earth. It, it was just a complete overflowing uh, just a complete, uh, you would say, disaster that happened, but it was to make new. It was to take those believers, those people that got in the ark, and the only reason that they passed from what was old to what was new was because of the Lord and His provision that He had for them, that ark, which was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. The only way that we can pass from death to life it's because of that ark in our life, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's what he's telling us here in verse 21. Peter is just doing such a great job of reminding these believers of the death, the burial, and the resurrection. That we are made alive in the Lord. And so, what is that good conscience that he talks about? He says, but the answer of the good conscience towards God... I think that is a good pledge and a good reminder for us as we kind of conclude this message. Whenever you know you're doing right, and I think I always think about me now being a parent or now or putting myself back into my in my parents' home and me being a child, and knowing if I was doing right then I had nothing to worry about. But whenever I'm doing wrong or know that I've kind of done, you know, you ever been in a situation, I mean, I know it's Sunday morning and I, I do have my, my suit, I mean, my jacket, you know, on and I, I really look church this morning, but if we could be a little real, sometimes we've done so many kind of wrong things that when maybe that parent or that spouse or, or that person at or that boss at work says, hey, I got to talk to you about something. You're thinking, oh, man, what could it be? <laughs> right. What could it be? It could be one, two or three. You know, it's, it's sometimes it's so many things. But if, if we're just 
if we're trying to really live in the Lord in the spaces that the Lord has for us, and we're just humbly living in a place of, of just living right and a good conscience, of knowing even if I messed up, I didn't do it intentionally. You know, that will only go so far. I understand that. But to know to live in that pure space that, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm innocent in my actions. And so when somebody says, I need to talk to you about something, well, what is it? Because I have a good, clean conscience about what am I doing and what am I trying to accomplish. And so to be in that place, do we understand? I know we do because we live in this place. Do we understand that we don't have to be in this dark place without any hope because the hope is in the Lord. We can find salvation in Him. And then once we have salvation, it doesn't stop there. We can live in a place of good, clean conscience. To know, Lord, I'm just humbly coming to you every day. And then if you're like me, I'm coming to the Lord humbly just throughout my day. Because I need, a, I need a, a, a correction throughout the day. I need to be refocused throughout the day of just, Lord, I already messed up. You know, I prayed at 9 o'clock that, that things would go well and it's already 10 o'clock and I've already messed up. <laughs> I come again. But just keep coming humbly to the Lord and just asking the Lord to just show himself through us and throughout our day to live in this place of a good conscience that I can actually go to sleep at night. You know how many people in this world can't even go to sleep at night because of their conscience are bothering them so much? And the only way we can is because of just the simple hope of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so for us, we may come with opposition. I think our main opposition, even when we think about the world, I think our main opposition, if we could agree this morning, is probably ourselves. Paul does a good job of talking about this. Paul says, I'm in constant war of the things that I know I should do and the things that I actually do. The things even I want to do, the things that I really, I want to do the right things, then I find myself doing the wrong things. Paul says, it is a constant battle. And so for us, as Peter is talking to these believers, he's telling them, listen, you're going to come against opposition. You may be the lone one in that group to have to walk away or not to partake in those conversations. But he's saying, listen, it's important for us to realize we need to be found on the Lord's side. We need to have faith this morning that the Lord is up to something. The reason Noah's in the faith chapter is because God told him to build an ark. He probably maybe even thought God was crazy, just like everybody else thought he was crazy. But he believed God's word and he followed it, even, even if only his family was to get on board. He was okay with those results. Versus what Jonah did, and, and those results and thinking that one was for us in man's eyes, that one is greater over the other. May we be faithful just in our faith to God that we be faithful for what God is showing us and live in that truth. No matter what the results are. And I know where we're at. We're results oriented people. And so let it make sense between us and God. And if even if it doesn't make sense to this world. And then how can we live in that? And I'm done. How can we really live each and every day? 
is in Christ's victory. It's not in our victory. It's not in what we can accomplish in our life. But he's already ha- he already has the victory. And so if we're a believer, we're not living in, our li- in, in every day of our life to try to gain satisfaction and gain salvation and gain victory. But we are already victorious. I told my children this week, I said, uh, my daughter lost in a basketball game uh, a couple weeks ago. And it was pretty bad. And, and I told her, I said, uh, and I, I wasn't at that game. And when I, I was told, it was like 22 to 3. And the three points on, on the team was just at the last second. The girl threw it up and made it. And so it would have been 22 to nothing. But they got to celebrate at the end because she made a buzzer beater. But they still lost 22 to 3. And I told my daughter, I said, if you'd have known at the beginning of the game you'd have lost 22 to 3, wouldn't you have just gone out there and just, you know what, just, just try. Just go out there, get you five fouls. Go out there and just play as hard as you can. Throw the ball up to the goal. See that? That's a goal. Just throw it up there as much, many times as you can. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? You lose 22 to 5? You know, or still 22 to 3? That, that was the end result. And you know what? If you would have been in a situation where if you would have played that way, there's a good chance y'all probably wouldn't have lost 22 to 3. So for us, we're not playing from behind. And we're not playing as just, you know what, I'm just going to throw it up against the, throw it up to the goal and hope something that I make something. The Lord's already told us as we go through our day and we go through our week, He's already accomplished everything that we need for this week. And so all we got to do is live in that victory and live in that place and it should free us up. And we can live in a very victorious state in our life if we would just do that. And so I hope this morning that this message has been a message of just not only as a picture for us to look at, but an encouragement in our life. Amen. And so as I pray for us this morning, I want us to pray in a sense that we would just say, you know what? I hope that is my pledge, that I can just live in this place, in this space that God has for me. I hope that it has been a reminder for you today. And that you would just remind yourself, Lord, thank you for the death. Thank you for the burial. Thank you for the resurrection that you have given. And thank you for those things in my life. And as I live in this place now and I live in this space going throughout my day, that I would just constantly be in a place of good conscience that I'm just walking in in your steps. I'm walking in your ways. If I'm wrong, then you're wrong. And he's not wrong. But I've got to be in his place. I've got to be in his shadow. I've got to be walking behind his steps to know that I'm in a place of good conscience. And let's pray. Lord God, we love you and we praise you. We thank you so much, Lord God, for this morning. Thank you for this time that we've been able to just look at your scripture, look at your words this morning. Thank you for what Peter's message was to this group of believers many years ago. And how Peter is just always just reminded in his writings, I believe, of his past, of how, yes, he was there in his place of sleeping, but of how you still had a great plan for his life. And Peter was in a, there in a place of denial when he denied you three times, of even, your, even knowing or being in, 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 your, in, your, uh, in your group and with your disciples, and yet you still had a plan for him. 
And as Peter is writing to these believers, even when all these things are going against them and they feel like outsiders, Peter is telling them, Lord God, just to continue in your ways. Even when the results are not there, even when the opposition is there, that we would just have this faith in you that you're up to something. That you want to accomplish so many not only just good things in our lives but great things in our lives and Lord again even if you don't do anything else in our lives moving forward thank you for just making a way for us to have salvation thank you for all the things that you've already done your many blessings may we count those this morning and to see how you've been so good to us may we in turn be good to you. you we love you because you first loved us you've poured out your riches and your love on us may we be in a place that we just follow after you because we trust you you have shown your love to us may we show our love back to you again lord we love you and we praise you in jesus name we pray amen let's all stand this morning as we continue to worship that we would cry out to the Lord of giving us faith. Amen.